0: So good morning church. It is it is good to be with you this morning and to uh, share with you in this worship time. Welcome to those of you who are here in person and to those of you who are joining us online and to those who will be joining us online later in the week uh, for the sermon as well. If we haven't met before, I'm Catherine. I'm one of the pastors As Steve shared a couple of weeks ago, we are in what we're calling a season of giving in this last Quarter of the year, there are many opportunities for us to give, from Halloween candy for the fall the fest today, uh, to donations of food and turkeys for the more than 1,200 Thanksgiving baskets that we provide for our community, um, to Giving Tuesday, and the recipient this year of Giving Tuesday will be our work and ministry with uh, Through Faith Mission. And then our Christmas Eve offering, and every year we uh, give away 100% of our Christmas Eve offering to um, often a local organization, and you'll hear more about that. It's exciting. Stay tuned. Um, And of course, during this season of giving, we have the opportunity to think about our own stewardship and to the financial gift that we will make to God through Trinity in 2024. The theme of our stewardship season this year is the leveraged life and what it means to be a follower of Christ and to leverage our lives for God. Last week, Steve focused on the ledger and approaching our spending not from the perspective of the seagull, mine, 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 but of the rooster, I'm not even going to try, yours, God, yours, God. And so today we'll be looking at embracing a lifestyle and what it means for us to be rich toward God. Jesus uses that phrase in, in Scripture. And then next week, we'll look at imagining a legacy. And then for the two weeks after that, we're going to invite you all to be in prayer, to pray about what your financial commitment for 2024 will look like. And then as a family, as a church family, on the Sunday before, Christ- before Thanksgiving, um, we'll have a time in worship where we will offer those commitments, those pledges to God, to be a part of God's transforming work in the world. You know, it's said that Jesus talks about money more than any other subject. And, and I believe and I know st- statistically um, that that is true. And yet the only exception I would make is that in everything that Jesus says or does, love is always of the utmost importance. Um, But this morning we're gonna turn to one of the times when Jesus does talk about money and and talks about trust and generosity and how to be rich toward God. Let me set the context for the scripture first of all. Um, Luke tells us that, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus has been preaching to the crowds, thousands of people it actually says. And in fact, he's been talking to them about confessing faith in Christ. He's been talking about, to them about the kingdom of God and, and, and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And as he is talking about those ultimate things, this man interrupts him and starts talking about money or asking about money. So take a listen to what Jesus has to say into this conversation so someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Jesus said to the crowd, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what what should I do for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, it's really more like self. I will say to myself, self, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. (coughs) I think I need this. (coughs) Excuse me. So, Then he says to the, the, the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to the span of your life? If then you are not able to do a small thing, so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, And tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not keep seeking what you are to eat. And what you are to drink. And do not keep worrying. For it is to the nations of the world that seek all these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. (coughs) And all these things will be given to you as well. Let me invite you to pause with me for a moment and pray. Um, Pray for me in sharing this message with you and I will pray for you. Perhaps we all need to pray. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's pray. O Lord, speak for your servants are listening and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. (coughs) So when our kids were young, we would play a lot of games as a family. We still do when we are all together and and even when we're apart now um uh, we've figured out ways to play games together we we play cards we play Scrabble I always lose I'm always the loser in my family um and uh during COVID we started playing code names that's a real fun one and we could even do that over FaceTime with each other but when we were little when the kids were little we also played board games Uh, and, and two of the board games we would play are Monopoly and Life. Have you ever thought about how you win those games? The goal of Monopoly? Do you know what it is? To acquire the most property and cash. And not only the most, but everything. You are not the official winner of Monopoly unless you have everything and nobody else has anything. Did you remember that? And this is what we play with our kids. The game of life is similar, but it has a few other nuances. Uh, You have to make choices along the way, and those choices, you know, lead you on a different path or a different road of life. Um, But the game doesn't end, thankfully it doesn't end, until everybody gets to the retirement home. That's good. But again, guess who wins? The person at the retirement home with the most money and assets. You know, that's how it seems in real life, too. The prevailing attitude seems to be to attain as much as possible. To attain the most money possible. You know, the bumper sticker says, The one who dies with the most toys wins, right? That's a, an underlying um, a belief of so many. In the scripture this morning, Jesus is preaching to the thousands about ultimate matters of life. And right in the middle of his sermon, this man gets up and he just walks down the aisle and he interrupts him and, and he tells them about what he is concerned about, what, what he thinks is a matter of life and death. He is concerned about his own inheritance. Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Jesus says he's not going to get involved in that dispute. But he can tell immediately that money has too much significance in this man's life. And he points him to a different understanding of life. Jesus tells this story. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. Now, the word used here for land is not just like, oh, a piece of property, but it means an extensive amount of land, like a whole region of land. So this whole region of land that this man had produced abundantly. And the man is trying to figure out what to do with this bumper crop. He doesn't have enough barns to hold what is produced. And he even has a conversation with himself about what to do. And as he does it, We begin to get the picture. In this short conversation with himself, he uses the word I six times and my five times. Sounds a lot like the seagull from the movie Finding Nemo that Steve referenced last week. Mine, mine, mine. We get the picture. He's talking to himself about himself and describing the goods that he believes he has produced and wondering how to store all of his fruits. But Jesus points out the problem is not really the size of the harvest, but the man's insistence on gathering it all and storing it all for his own use. We know that God produced the harvest God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And this fantastic crop is a miracle of God. And Jesus says that we should be rich toward God. So, what does it mean to be rich toward God? First of all, it means that we should not be preoccupied with our possessions. This man's goods and possessions became the sole purpose of his life. But then the property of his materialistic life, the poverty of his materialistic lifestyle is, is exposed because, in spite of his riches, nothing can save him from the fact that he will die that night. Now, Don't think that his death is a punishment from God. That's not what this scripture says. It is not cause and effect. It's not that he is preoccupied with his possessions and therefore he dies as a result of that or that God punishes him. It's simply that God knows that he will die that night. And then who will receive all that he has hoarded? Not himself, of course. Second, being rich towards God means that we are not seduced by selfishness. The thought of what this man can do for others out of his abundance never enters his mind. He has no sense of responsibility for the use of his wealth for the welfare of others. And instead he dreams only about how to spend his own future and, and how to indulge in, in his own whims and, and meet his desires. All he can imagine is increasing his own pleasure. So being rich towards God means not being preoccupied with our own possessions. And and not being seduced by selfishness. And finally, not finding our security in our own self-sufficiency. You know, it's so easy for us to presume that we have pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, that that we are self-made, that we can take care of ourselves, but instead we are called to put our trust in God. The rich fool in this parable is an extreme example of one who thinks that he has made it on his own and that he doesn't need anyone else or anything else, especially God. Even if it says that he believes in God or even if he did believe in God, when it comes to managing his life, his possessions, and his, his plans for the future, he lives as if there is no God. He comes to think, mine, 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 instead of... Yours with all of his life. You know, at at the core, this parable speaks to us about our basic commitments. What difference should our faith in God make in the practical matters of our lives? What difference does our faith make in how we live every day, our lifestyle? As a follower of Christ, what does a leveraged life look like? I think it looks like Lives that are transformed. I think about Dan and his testimony that you saw. When we commit to following Christ, our lives begin to look different. We want to give freely uh, of our time and our talent and, and our financial resources. In fact, your generosity to Trinity played a role in Dan coming to Christ and following him. Dan first explored faith by watching some of Trinity's worship services on Facebook, online. And then he came to worship in person for the first time last May. And since then, he's been mentored and discipled by, by the church staff team and, and, and baptized on a Wednesday evening in a worship service. And now he's participating in a class to be able to continue to grow in his faith. You all are a part of the transforming work of God in the world. When I think about that, I also think about uh, a story that Brian Whitstruck, Director of Children and Family Ministries, shared with me. There's a a boy whose family does not attend Trinity, but he was a part of Stepping Stones when he was in preschool, and he learned began to learn about the love of Jesus then. And then he became a part of Cross Trainers, which is our sports ministry, after school and, and summer camp ministry. As an elementary school kid, he got involved in that, And in Cross Trainers, he shared with Brian and Ben, the director of our sports ministry, that his brother died unexpectedly last fall. It speaks volumes that he would trust them enough to share with them something that is so personal and and heartbreaking out on the sports fields. And since then, the after-school ministry has become his community of faith. They've become his church. It's his church family. At Christmas, all the kids in cross trainers are given a, a devotional book. And this boy's mother shared with Brian that they still, she and her son still read it together every night his parents recently went through a divorce, and that affected the family finances. And, and when his mother was between jobs, we were able to give her a scholarship so he could continue to be involved. Now Brian's talking with Rebecca, the director of Youth and Family Ministries, about how to prepare for him to transition into the youth group. Again, Trinity, you are a part of that transforming work of God in people's lives and in our world. But don't get me wrong. Your generosity to God through Trinity is not something that I want from you. It is something that I want for you. I want for you a deeper faith in Christ and a closer walk with God. And giving is a spiritual practice that is vital to that growth and development. It's not about the church's need to receive It's about our need to give. In his book, The Walk, Adam Hamilton says it this way. We are made for generosity. it, It is meant to be both the shape of our heart and the way we live. Another friend of mine, Dick Wills, says it this way. We have been blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed us with a deep need to be a blessing to others. And as we grow deeper in our trust of God, and as we more fully release our finances, we can continue to grow in that trust. In the next few weeks, you'll be receiving a pledge card in the mail with an invitation to make your annual financial commitment to God through Trinity. It's an opportunity for each of us and our households to uh, prayerfully discern how God is working in our lives and how God is calling us um, to use our resources in the year ahead. We are invited to give proportionally. That's the biblical um, standard. The biblical standard of a tithe is proportional giving. To give 10% of your income to God through the work of the church. And I encourage you to pray about that for the next few weeks and then make your pledge. Some of you are already tithing and and I thank you for that. Um, Thank you for your generosity as a means of a spiritual practice in your life. For some of you, 10% sounds like a huge leap and very frightening. And if you've never made a commitment before, I ask you simply to pray about it and to consider what percentage <clears throat> God is calling you to offer. If it's the right amount, you'll begin to feel this sense of peace. Uh, you'll begin to feel settled and know that that you are... Um, uh, practicing this discipline in the way that God wants you to do it. And whatever whatever your starting point, then I pray that, that you will increase your giving over time. Again, it's not about the church's need to receive. It is about our need to give. We are more fully able to trust our lives to God when we set aside our trust in our finances and practice the spiritual discipline of giving and again remember what Jesus says at the end if God cares for the ravens and the lilies of the field how much more will God care for and take care of you don't worry about these things don't worry about these things Instead, trust in God and seek first God's kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. Let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the ways that you sustain us, for every good and perfect gift that you shower upon us. And oh God, help us to trust more and more each day in you. Oh God, we want to give to you as a a practice to help us to grow in our faith, to become more and more who you have called us to be. So speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. For your servants are listening. Amen.